Welcome. My name is Mike Kahlo, and uh, this podcast is basically designed to hope to bring together different factions in this country um, and uh, to get us to make some changes. Uh, there's got to be ways we can make changes to this nation. There's got to be a way that uh, things can go back, um, well, go forward, but, you know, go back to a better time. Um, you know, back in the 50s or 60s, people may not think that was a better time, uh, but it was a better time uh, in general because we had a voice, or at least maybe we thought we had a voice. I don't know. But uh, our voice is gone. Um, and it's time uh, we uh, come together to make some changes to this great nation, or else I believe we're going to lose it. Um, there are some things we could do, and some of these are fairly simple. But yet most of us have just learned to just go to work and, you know, make our money, enjoy our life, go on vacation. And we're so comfortable with the way life is right now that we don't want to do anything to mess up the apple cart. So, you know, let's just leave it alone. No, I don't want to get involved in politics. No, I don't want to get involved and do anything different. But yet if you and I don't do anything, nothing is going to change because I don't believe that our political leaders have the wherewithal, have the ability, even have the desire, I don't believe they do, to change what's happening in this nation. So there are some things that we can do. Number one is by applying political pressure. And uh, you, we do that by face-to-face. -face. I never thought I would be one to do it, but you know, I've been to Washington, D.C. on numerous occasions with my wife, and we've gone and talked to our uh, legislators. Um, face to face lobbying, people can meet with their political representatives and you can meet with them in person to discuss whatever issue is on your mind. Now, listen, when I left there, I felt as if all they were doing was just being polite and they heard me and left. And I, that's probably true. But the more of us who speak about an issue, the one thing I've learned about politics, okay, in all the years that I've been following it, well over 40, and what I've learned is, uh, Politicians listen to the masses. And if they believe people are getting together on an issue, then suddenly that issue becomes important. Uh, you can write messages to your politician. If you're not comfortable meeting in person, uh, you could send them letters, notes, emails, cards. You can make phone calls. You can uh, speak on social media or speak on social media about the issues. You can go onto their websites. You can go to these different places. We have so much at our availability uh, to reach out to our leaders. And we need to do that because if we just sit by and, you know, the, the constituents that they hear from, the one, you know, you heard the old saying, you know, the squeaky, squeaky wheel gets the grease. Well, listen, and, until we start to be squeaky, we're not going to get any greasing. And uh, there's a lot of people getting grease uh, in Washington, D.C., and that's not what I'm talking about. But, uh, I mean, it's time that we start to get some attention. Um, there's other things we could do, like contacting local media. Uh, we can publish letters in a magazine. We can write letters to the editor. Um, you know, there are so many things we could do. You, you, there are blogs that are often read by politicians and their staff. Uh, and believe me, uh, politicians pay attention to what's happening on blogs. Politicians pay a lot to what's happening uh, today, especially in podcasting. One of the reasons I decided to get into podcasting is because it is a venue where people are paying attention. 
so whatever issues are coming across the desk politically, it's time that you make your voice be heard. Uh, you know, you as an average individual, me as just a nobody, average individual, we can get our voices heard on local radio, local TV stations. We can call into talk shows. We can get our voices heard. Of course, there are some of the more normal, you know, political protesting, rallies, marches, vigils. These are commonly uh, used to protest. Of course, now some of us are a little skittish about, you know, protesting ever since, uh, you know, January 6th uh, and that, that whole political nightmare, uh, which was Nancy Pelosi's fault, by the way. It was not Donald Trump's fault. If you listened and and uh, have any uh, political astuteness whatsoever, any ability to listen to what was actually happening. Um, he tried to get uh, Nancy Pelosi to make sure that there you know, were um, uh, National Guard uh, there protecting the White House, but of course she turned it down. And, and uh, you know, there could have been other protections in place, but they wanted Donald Trump to look bad, and that's what this has been all about. Anyhow, um, it's time that we can, you know, let our voices be heard. You, you can uh, go to rallies. Yes, absolutely. You can campaign for a candidate. Uh, that's something that uh, I have really never done actively, but I'm telling you now is the time. If there's a political candidate you think has the power to make a change, power to make a change for the causes that you believe in, I don't know about you, but I believe in saving this great nation. And there's very few men that I could think of or women that I could think of in the political realm who have the, the strength, the wherewithal, the stick to to be able to make a difference. Donald Trump is one of them. And so we need to rally people together to support his campaign. Uh, I mean, this is going to be our last hurrah, 2024. Uh, and of course, voting. Um, you know, encouraging people to vote one way or another. You know, I mean, I want people to vote. I want everyone to vote. I don't want to, you know, we don't want to discredit or, or, or disenfranchise is the popular word today. We don't want to disenfranchise anyone from voting. Uh, but I do believe that people need to vote. Um, you know, vote, uh, vote early and vote often. Uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, that's what the Democrats do. Uh, a lot of dead people vote. But uh, we as, you know, citizens of this great United States, we have a right and a responsibility and a privilege to be able to vote. And I think we should uh, make sure that we do that. Sitting out never accomplishes anything. Protesting by not voting is not protesting. It's stupid foolishness. Don't do it. Okay. Uh, we need to increase the number of voters uh, th that are likely to support our candidates, and we can make a difference. Uh, look, I know um, this last election has put a bad taste on all of our mouths, but uh, we need to um, still go out, and this is still the greatest country in the nation. And yes, there was voter fraud. I believe there was substantial voter fraud, enough to you know switch the election uh, to the guy in the uh, White House right now. Um, and uh, I believe Donald Trump is the rightful president uh, and belongs in office. But the only way that that's going to happen is through legal channels, and that is voting. So 2024 is coming. Uh, you know, people only invest their energy and time um, when they understand why. What what will they get out of it? What will change? What is the, the solution? And I, I never really, when I was younger, got involved too much in the po political scene because I didn't think I can make a difference. I didn't think I really cared or I really mattered. And that was a lie because all of us matter. 
And uh, although we may seem ex insignificant, we may be, you know, a little fish in a big ocean. But let me tell you something, when the little fish get together, when the little fish start to make uh, 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 waves, the little fish get attention of the big fish. There is a way to make a difference in this nation. And the solution is that we, the people, stand up. Another thing we can all do is educate. Educate our family and our friends. Get get some more information on the topics that excite you, the topics that are, are dear to near and dear to your heart. And uh, educate your family and friends. Um, I used to be afraid to talk politics. I'm not afraid to talk politics to my family and friends. I would rather have my family and friends hate me than to never have spoken up and to try to convince them uh, the possibilities of how this nation can change by having the right person um, in office. Um, you know, we could we could do some amazing things. Uh, there's recently been a movie uh, that was out. Um, it's called The Sound of Freedom. It was about children, and, you know, smugglers stolen to slavery and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, th that movie was fought by everybody, uh, including the media and those in Hollywood and whatever. Uh, they, they just they tried to call it disinformation. <clears throat> and, and uh, you know, the left is afraid when we get together. You have power over your family and friends. There are people who you are influential over. And so, uh, you know, we can make a difference. Host a movie night. Show the movie Sound of Freedom. Uh, host host a, a night at your home and uh, dig up some old videos of Donald Trump and how he's helped so many people without before he became president. I mean, the, the things he's done paid off people's homes and and bought cars for people and, and and jobs and so many things that he's done for people, black people, Hispanic people, not just white people. He was not a racist. Okay, anyhow, um, we can make a difference um, by getting uh, our voice heard. We can also do some organizing. Um, you know, organizing is a form of leadership and it really basically is um, just a way of bringing people together. Maybe you have that ability to bring people together. And uh, when we bring people together, you'll be surprised a leader rises up in the group. Somebody always rises to the top and uh, that person could be influential. You can make a difference in this nation just by the people that you already associate with. There could be some people, some people in your you know, group of, uh, of, of local friends and neighbors and relatives and, and uh, coworkers uh, that you can spark a conversation that be, can begin to make a difference in this nation. There's so many great examples of organizing that have captured headlines and brought about real change in this nation. And it all starts with people like you and I. Uh, you know, we hear of somebody, I mean, there's this girl on TV, she talked about Greta or Stromberg or whatever her name is, and she talks about um, uh, climate change, you know, another scam. Uh, of course, her parents were influential in getting her before the camera, but the point is she's young, but she has made an influence. I don't believe in it. I think it's a bunch of nonsense, but yet she has made a change. You can make a change, you can make a difference. And and one of, one of the other things that we can do is actually donating. 
Um, I used to think the five or 10 or 20 or $100 that we might be able to donate to a political campaign is meaningless. But what I'm finding is really it's the grassroots organization that can make a substantial difference. Sure, there are, you know, there are many people around this world like George Soros and other who, you know, put millions and millions of dollars into elections and sway elections. And there are people like Zuckerberg who, you know, uh, and uh, who influenced through Facebook and, and, uh, know, social media influenced the elections. But listen, we have power. We have power at hand and it's time we make a difference. Money is important. Money is important. But people, you know, you and I can make a difference. And our few dollars, our little donations, they add up when you start to get across hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of people across this great nation. So look, you and I have the ability to influence and make a change. And it's going to be up to you and I to actually do something about it. Just talking, just complaining doesn't change anything. I'm tired of complaining. It's time for me to make a difference. And for the balance of my life, I want to be able to leave a legacy behind. I want to be able to know that I've done all that I could do to bring about change in this nation, positive change. I need to bring us back to a place where, where we are the nation of truth, justice, and the American way. Are you interested? Will you get on board with me? Will you do something? Will you call your state representative? Will you go and visit them? Will you go to Washington, D.C.? It's great to just go and visit Washington, D.C. and see all the, you know, all, all the all the different beautiful buildings and all the things that have made this nation great. But in addition to that, it's time we go in and see our representatives and let them know you're watching and you're paying attention to what they're doing and what they're voting on or not voting on. You and I can make a difference. Thanks so much. Let's get into our broadcast. Hello, welcome to the Kalo podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about government waste. <laughs> That's right. Where the heck do we start? I mean, when you get into it, pretty much everything is about the money. Let's face it. Uh, money makes the world go round. Now, even with lawsuits, uh, they're a form, in my opinion, of money laundering. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, listen, I know I'm going to make, uh, well, I'm going to make some enemies today, I think, uh, on this one. But let me tell you this. This is huge. The government in cahoots with lawyers, law firms, attorneys, corporations all across the nation in order to launder money, our money, you and I. Now, it all starts with my money and your money. Okay, the government takes our money uh, now more than ever. Uh, just think, nearly 60% of our hard-earned money is stolen by a corrupt government. Then it's funneled to companies like pharmaceutical companies or whatever, all in the form of grants, uh, loan guarantees, R&D, whatever they want to call it. Now, what about the money that is funneled to nations? overseas. Did you ever think about what happens there to the billions of dollars we give away and guarantee? We funnel money to all these entities around the world. Well, today we're going to talk about how this all works and why. See, there are so many opportunities for corrupt politicians to get very, very rich. I mean, after all, earning 175000 a year, whatever their salary is, does not guarantee you a net worth of $100 million. Yet, many of our politicians and their families are that rich. 
How did they become so wealthy? So our government collects our money in the form of uh, all kinds of taxes, and in many cases, penalties. Then this money is used to fund the operations of the government, supposedly. But is it really? I mean, from what I've been able to find and determine through investigating, the government can actually survive on less than 50% of what it actually takes in on an annual basis. <laughs> That's right. So where does all the rest of the money go? Well, let's start where our government sends the taxpayers money. Right now, the United States provides more than $60 billion in aid to over 150 countries. Plus, we send another $875 billion on military spending. Then, over $100 billion a year is spent on pharma research and development. Plus, another $350 billion on additional pharma subsidies. So where does all the money go? In fact, you could trace that if you looked at, uh, I think it's federalbudgeting.com, uh, where does all the money go, something like that. You could see we are out of control. Washington just does not seem to understand that we cannot continue on like this. But yet, we're escalating and increasing and money is flowing. But it's flowing into the pockets of only certain people and groups. I don't know if you're one of them. I know I'm not. So beginning with sending money to places, let's talk about like Ukraine, billions of dollars sent to them with the understanding that they'll be purchasing weapons and ammunition from us, of course, majorly. Uh, and that's why we have many retired military working for companies like Lockheed Martin, uh, $35 billion in arms sales, um, a total of 45 billion in total sales. <laughs> Listen, 78% of our arms are purchased through companies like this. So, you know, we're, we're talking about profits of $2.9 billion a year. BAE Systems is another one with, uh, you know, uh, total sales in $34, $35 billion a year. Uh, total profit of nearly $2 billion. These companies, Boeing, uh, arm sales uh, somewhere around $31 billion, total sales of $64 billion a year. These corporations are huge. Northrop Grumman, uh, we're talking about total sales of $34 billion every year. General Dynamics, arm sales of $23 billion and total sales of $32 billion every year. I mean, if you look at what's just been happening in our political realm right now, they're arguing over sending more money to Ukraine. Why do we need to send more money to Ukraine? Well, think about this. Right now, 158 retired generals are consulting for the Pentagon. Okay. 158 generals and admirals have identified as working for the military as senior mentors. Now, Listen carefully, 80% of these had financial ties to defense contractors. 29 of them were full-time executive with defense companies. So those with industry ties have earned salaries, fees, or stock options as consultants, board members, or full-time 
full-time employees of these defense firms. So how does it work? Well, not only do we hire defense contractors to provide equipment for us, but we give money to our allies like Ukraine and even to our enemies. If you remember Obama and Biden, they did that by releasing billions of dollars to Iran. But anyway, these countries, uh, they buy, maybe not directly because that's not legal, but they buy through intermediaries and they order weaponry from our manufacturers. How do they know what to buy? Well, our retired military work with these countries to get them their weapons of choice. So the money is funneled to the country, then through intermediaries, and in some cases, legally through representatives like retired military, who get paid very, very well for selling armaments, okay? And the money makes a complete cycle, enriching many along the way. So the reasonable conclusion is that most war machines, and the reason for most wars and escalations of wars, is really all about the money. Now, this war machine makes many people rich and some people even richer. There are no poor people involved in war. Zelensky is not poor. He has a few homes, a few homes around the world. How did that happen? Listen, only the poor are the victims of the war and the pawns of the war are the soldiers that are used in the war. And this is all so that the upper echelon can continue amassing their wealth. It's all about the money. Think about the government suing manufacturers, okay? Let's talk about tobacco. In my lifetime, that was a big one. The government wins a large settlement, okay? And the government gets a huge portion of the funds that are awarded, okay? They get that as fines and penalties. Okay, so the government gets a huge portion. Then the attorneys involved get really the remainder of the rest while the victims get a little piddlance, okay? Uh, compared to the suffering of the people who actually, you know, went through the problem of, you know, having smoked cigarettes and got some kind of cancers or all kinds of other diseases. Uh, it's amazingly unfair and yet everybody seems okay with it. The victims get very little compensation. The government and the attorneys get wealthy. And what do we get? See, the government initiates the lawsuit. The money gets paid by the corporation to the government and to the attorneys. The attorneys then take a portion of their profits and look for the next government target. One that is assured to get sued by the government so that they can prepare properly using option plays to get even wealthier. And the cycle continues on. Look, uh, just recently you'll notice in the news all of the uh, advertisements about Camp Lejeune. Uh, were you, did you live anywhere near or on Camp Lejeune? That's over 50 years ago. And today, many have already died. And sure, they pay out some money. But the majority of the funds are, again, paid to the government as a penalty and fines. And then the majority of the rest of the funds goes to the attorneys for their hard work. <laughs> and the drippings, well, that's what's left for the victims. They're the ones that have suffered and ultimately died in many cases or are now pretty much on a banana peel and on the way out. 
It's all a big scheme to take money from we the people and pass it around to all the dirty players so everyone involved gets their piece. And all the while, we end up the suckers paying the tab. And those who we elect to our government, what do they do? They sit up there on their you know high towers telling us that they're doing all that they can to reduce spending. It's such a bunch of garbage. It's all theater. They're playing theater. They get on TV. They go on the talking heads on television, and they tell you we're fighting this and we're doing this and we won a battle here. They won nothing. They all play in the same sandbox with our sand. U.S. federal government has become the greatest player in monetary schemes in all of history. Now, Congress has set the limit for federal borrowing since 1917. And over the years, it continues to raise the limits. As government spending and borrowing needs, if you call them needs, have increased, they raise the amount of money that they need. It's really like a cookie monster. I think it was Pat Robertson uh, coined that many, many, many years ago, back in the 80s. Uh, he said the government's like a cookie monster. The more cookies it gets, the more it wants. And that's true. That's exactly what it, what, what it is. The only way the U.S. government can avoid a default on the national debt is to continue to raise the debt ceiling. And they have to do that so that the government can borrow from new lenders to repay the previous lenders. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, it's very clear. This is nothing more than the world's largest Ponzi scheme. And it's all at the expense of the American taxpayer, you and me. Not even a large sovereign government like the USA can keep borrowing and borrowing to the point where it has to borrow to pay the interest on its own debt. Yet that's exactly where we are today as a nation. And eventually the consequences of this recklessness will damage the economy to such a degree that it may be impossible to even recover. But if we really want to look at schemes, let's look at how the government has taken Social Security money and spent it. Money meant for Americans' retirement. The government took and spent it. Money you and I paid into the government, money that was to be used for our retirement, and the government spent that money. Anywhere else, if that were to happen, it would be a misappropriation of funds and to be charged and jailed. But not our government officials, who they themselves have exempted them from any such repercussions, especially legally. This is a real problem that will soon be on our doorstep. And if not on my doorstep, on my, my children or my grandchildren. Unfortunately, the only way to solve this problem is by again increasing the debt and reducing the payouts to future generations. And those payouts to future generations are all hardworking Americans that have been counting on receiving something when they reach retirement age. And the government has been doing nothing about it. Now, of course, there is a better solution. The solution is to cut government. But you can't even talk about cutting today. Now, um, you know, Social Security is, is interesting because it, it, our, our illustrious Congress and Senate, you, you know, they have their own uh, uh, retirement plan. 
And, and so our social security is not, uh, it does not affect them in any way, shape or form. See, they have their own retirement scam, which is always funded. <laughs> the U.S. government wastes billions of taxpayer dollars every year, and yet they're not held responsible for what they do. Can you imagine that the government makes billions and billions of dollars of improper payments each and every year? That's right. They waste money improperly. They buy things that, you know, they, they really didn't mean to buy or uh, they, they sent checks to the wrong party. Uh, this is the government. Okay. The, the government does this in 1920 and 2022 alone, there were $247 billion where the government paid the wrong party. That's according to the Government Accountability Office, the GAO. I mean, how about this one? The GAO estimates that the U.S. government lost almost $2.4 trillion in payment errors, errors over the last 20 years. <laughs> You're kidding me? Payment errors. This is money taken directly from the pockets of you and I to simply get wasted. Or was it? See, I tend to believe a lot of money is spent incorrectly. Misappropriated is a nice word. And it's a nice word for stealing our money. And then they say, well, we paid the wrong people, uh, bought the wrong materials. Uh, uh, oh, they blame all of this stuff. And what happens? Not a thing. <laughs> we have had many good men in Congress and Senate. Believe me, Senator Rand Paul, you know, of Kentucky. Uh, there's there's many others. And, and these good men claim billions of dollars are being wasted every year from maintaining things like empty government buildings. Now, I know they're not lying. It's the truth. I mean, in my state alone, in Connecticut, there's a lot of buildings owned by the government, local and federal, and they're just sitting there. So the government wastes billions of dollars every year on maintaining government buildings that are empty. And also by accidentally, accidentally, accidentally spending millions on wasteful ideas. How do you accidentally, uh, geez, honey, um, I accidentally spent our retirement money. <laughs> When you accidentally spend millions on wasteful ideas, and what are wasteful ideas? They, they say it's called wasteful ideas that turn out to be unusable. I mean, my Lord, what, what is that? That's just another loophole, another place where they drop money so that they can siphon it off. Then on top of that, the government has what they call duplicated programs where they waste billions of dollars, okay? on duplicated programs throughout the government. So we have money being spent multiple times for the same projects or ideas or products. And what happens to those items that were duplicated? Are they returned for a credit? <laughs> In most cases, no. I mean, why bother? It's not your money. What happens to that material? What happens to those items? I don't know. And we want to elect more of the same. What we need is a disruption in the federal government. What we need is a serious disruption in the way the government is run. These same type of lifelong politicians do not need to keep being reelected.
the Congress and Senate. And we hear it all the time when someone new wants to run for government. They say, well, you have no government experience. Great. I don't want you to have any government experience. Learn along the way like our forefathers did. We need a transformation in our government. We need a total transformation. What we need is a businessman, a successful businessman. We had one of those. His name was Trump. And we need another guy like him or him to take this mess and give us a chance of turning it all around again. The amount of government waste and fraud alone could make a substantial dent in our overall indebtedness. But changes like this, transformations like this, can only happen when the majority of the people are on board. When a majority of us, you and I, get sick and tired of being used to enrich the few at the top. And I don't know about you, but I am tired of it. That's the reason I began this broadcast. That's the reason I said I need to get this out. I need to see if there are other people like you and I. I'm tired of it. And I hope and pray that some of you are too. If that's you, click like and share, follow me, and let's do this thing together. You say, well, what can we do? There's a lot we can do. And what we can do is we can start today by making a difference. And that difference is we stop voting for the same old politicians. We stop making the same decisions that we made for years and years about electing the same politicians. In my state, we have two senators and both of them are useless. When I say useless, they follow cameras around. Anywhere there's a camera, that's where they go. And whatever they have to you know, uh, uh, morph their beliefs into, they do in order to get in front of the camera so that they can get another two years, another four years, whatever it is, they can keep going by being lifelong politicians. I'm tired of lifelong politicians. I am tired of electing the same people to office who do nothing but steal our money. And what we need to do, you and I, is we need to make a difference in this world. And we can make a difference, but we can only do it together. It's very hard to, to bring a group of people together to fight for something like our great country, our great nation. Yet, when I look and I see a man like Trump being persecuted on a regular basis, being brought up on charges after charges after charges, I don't care what you think about his personality. I know what he did for this nation in the short period of time that he was in, the, in office as president. I know what he did and I know what can be done with this nation. I look back and I look on our founders and, and, and the founding fathers of this nation. They were all in their 20s and 30s were young men who left everything lost in most cases everything they put it all on the line because they believed in what they were standing for a united nations and today we have a united nations that is nothing but garbage the united nations is the one that tries to bring together nations from around the world to try to do ridiculous things and gets the united states to try to pay their way what what our founding fathers envisions what envisioned was a united states that made a difference to the nations of the world we were not trying to unite nations around the world we were trying to unite our unite our nation the United States, all 50 states that we have now, united together on one course. And that course is so that we can live in freedom. We can have justice in the American way. And we can spread that great American way around the world. And that would be a real United Nations. I'm telling you, there's so many things that need to be transformed. 
but they will never be transformed unless it starts with you and I beginning today in our homes, with our friends, with our family. I was at one time the kind of guy who would keep my politics to myself. I'm afraid I was going to offend someone. I no longer am afraid of offending anyone. It's time we start offending people. It's time we start telling people the way it is and the way we need to make some changes. And those changes start with our politicians. Let's unite and get rid of the lifelong politicians. Let's make a difference in our country today. This is Mike Kahlo. Thanks for joining me. Have a great day. Well, if you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire or watched the entire episode. And for that, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you listened or watched. And do me a favor, please share this episode with others who may be interested in the same topics. And also, feel free to let me know what topics you'd like to see covered in the future. You can get in touch with me in the comments or by, you know, social media networks. Thanks again for everything. See you next time.